It's the real hip hop. Hip -hop. Peace. This is Sharon Shabazz, and you're listening to the RealHipHop.com podcast. On this episode, I talk to MC Sketch 185. Born in Chicago, but now living in Brooklyn, Sketch has maintained his Midwestern roots. His latest project chronicles his childhood in the Windy City and his current life in New York. He left nothing for the swim back is an off-kilter nine-track release produced entirely by Jeff Markey of Backwood Studios. On this show, Sketch 185 talks about not understanding life, people who celebrate suffering, working with producer Jeff Markey, and his new album, He Left Nothing for the Swim Back. What's the meaning behind the title of the album? He left nothing for the swim back. Uh, more or less, I didn't want to leave anything um, left for interpretation. I didn't want to, like, uh, there were moments in which I thought this might be the last thing that I recorded as a project, in which case I kind of just didn't want me to leave anything out. And also kind of one of those planting the flag of the ground uh, in terms of my style, my ability as an MC. Like the title itself comes from the movie Gattaca, where at the end of the movie, the main character raises his brother and this thing they used to do since they were kids. Well, whoever goes furthest from shore wins. And in the end, uh, one brother goes to the other one, how do you do this? You shouldn't be able to do it. And the main character goes, you you always save enough energy to swim back. I don't save anything for the swim back. And, you know, it kind of, like, there are a lot of different titles that it could have been, but that kind of is the one that stuck and ended up becoming, like, what I kind of moved up, shaped the songs around in the arrangement. Okay. So, yeah. Um, how did you and Jeff Markey get together and decide to do the project? So Jeff um, was close friends and roommates with a homie of mine and breakups. And I'd known both of them for like 10, 11 years. And when I moved to New York a little bit under eight years, a little bit over eight years ago, me and him have been talking about working on records. And I've been working on other things, you know. You know, worked it on Tomorrow King stuff, did the Gunship Diplomacy album, where Jeff actually did the glitch sound effects on it, helped record part of it. And Jeff just kept giving me beats over the years. And a lot of them didn't stick. And then all of a sudden, he played me this beat with a record st stopping. And that became Badly Drawn Hero. Because when I heard the beat, I remember I already had lyrics that fit for it. Because it was like, like, instead of a regular percussion, it was a record stopping, and it was this horn sound, and all of a sudden, I just started just going with it, and that became the first one that we anchored things to. 
And Fenera just kind of grew. And we live in the same neighborhood now. Like 10 minutes walk away from each other. So a lot of this, you know, most of this happened during lockdown or post-lockdown. And in which case, we would just meet up, discuss hip-hop, discuss music, discuss life, either talk about the record while shooting a basketball around or go back to his crib and listen to beats and samples and all that. And it just kind of developed from there. I think we did about 15 songs. Only nine made this version. And a whole lot of sketches of songs, too. So you recorded the album together? Yeah. Well, you know what? I record at home. And um, I basically record, record and send it straight over to Jeff. Then, like, either that day or the next day, I walk over. And Jeff's already editing the beat. Sometimes, depending on how he edits, I'll go home and we record things. Or we write things. Or we design and we'll do that process back and forth throughout a lot of the records. You know, throughout most of them. There are like three or four versions of the record um, for, each, for each song. Uh, anyhow, we just went back and forth. So we didn't record in the same place, but I would record and walk 10 minutes to the script. You know, so it just kind of like you would you would think it was like that, but it's just. We were just so close to each other. We're just so close to each other. We might as well have been in the same room. Okay. On the song East Side Summer, you paint a vivid picture of inner city Chicago in the summertime. And you say nothing cool about living through this at the end. Mm -hmm. it, it resonated with me. Why is it that the worst aspects of life for some black people are almost celebrated in music and movies. I'm black this, I'm black that. 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 Middle class niggas running trains on virgins. Had a clear lane, joined the gang on purpose. Went on vacation, even Sega Sunday service. But never calling me shelter when nigga shit makes me nervous. Like, must be 95, 10 years old, Timbertown summer. 95 with butcher tickets, in between bulls predictions. Auntie got her shit stolen by her cousin for his last hit. Her uncle got shot because that's what happened to uncles back then. Black power devoured in the black still in the album between street lights and a mother's first scream. Anyway, my brother, little sister, now playing in the backyard of our building. Blue color block. I banned the house to the right with a three story tree. We walked the path from the north right into the tension in the scene. Mumble turned to bickering, our words turned to whispering. An argument shifted to silence when the bullshit got settled in. Father, daughter, boyfriend. Boy, dash into his car, slide to the seat. Old man shotguns, the passion aside. His daughter just screamed. Car rolls downhill when we start walking backwards. Little sister underwear, now we discuss the factors. Like, did he see us? If he did, is he walking back? No keys to the back door, so we just walk it past. They try not to get noticed, two boys in the fifth grade. Afraid to focus, hold their breath, and make it through two doors with the youngest shielded. Casey aims over, made it upstairs, never came over. We were told the boyfriend survived, and the old man stayed our neighbor. Through that summer, because our father got a promotion, loaded. Same side, different buildings, different gang, same feeling. Nothing cool about living through this. Fuck how them songs sound, that don't make you real. We would have traded that ground for a tire swing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to do that than it is to um, 
find it within you to uh, to access somebody's actual humanity. You know, you, like, you know, the tragedy in itself, in some respects, is a highlight reel. You know, and it's a very voyeuristic thing. Like, the beginning of my verse comes from um, a cat that I'm no longer cool with, who uh, at one point used to call me Shelter. And I would think about it, like, this is when we were young, and I would just be like, yo, you... You, me and my best friend would talk about this. This guy would do his best. Uh, this guy would do his best to try to figure out how to hang out with the most hood cats that he could find as if he was trying to absorb whatever that was because he grew up middle class, middle class, upper middle class, black dude. But that right there um became, became like the main basis for it because like I realized that like there are a lot of people in the black community like him because not everybody grew up in dire situations. Not everybody grew up struggling. Not everybody grew up in situations where it was stress every time they went home. But a lot of people like to talk like they did. And, my, you know, my whole verse was kind of like going through one of those instances that you can't forget and explaining how, you know, like me and my brother would get drunk and he would just go, yo, you remember that time we saw the dude get shot? And this happened for years. Just randomly. He would just be like, yo, you remember that time we saw the dude get shot? He's like, yeah, man. And, you know, none of us wanted that. You know, so, yeah, my yeah, my, my verse was definitely an attack on that being considered the norm. Or even, you know, or even poeticized, to be honest. Because I find a lot of that's a lot of that happens nowadays, and it's very bothersome. You know, there are a few rap crews that I could think of where that's their bread and butter, but I won't say names right now. But you know, I just I felt like I had to approach that. I think it's very different. Um, not to say that it's better, but someone growing up middle class and trying to be hood versus someone profiting off of mm -hmm. trying to be hood. It's, it's kind of different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, somebody profited because they were in the hood off of talking about the worst times of their life. Yeah, like, people, like, like what was it? Um, one podcast talking about a crew where they were just talking about the music and going, man, they make it sound like their childhood had no light in it. And it's and it's weird that that's a cat, you know. It's sad that that's still a cash crop for a lot of people in our community, and very particularly in the hip hop community. I mean, you see how it affects people later on in their life when you have guys in their thirties and forties still talking about what happened to them when they were sixteen, but not mentioning what happened to them when they were sixteen, making that the general motif in which they always operate. In which case, you know, I always look at you know, I'm seeing kind of like as writing or being an author or anything like that. Like, the longer you are on planet Earth, the more you have to talk about. At least you should. You know, and the fact that, like, there's so many people who, who don't know how to get past that uh, get past that stage, you know, it's sad. You know, you know, excuse, you know, those are my thoughts on that. I'm sorry, you know. It's a, it's, it's a tough one to, it's definitely a tough one to discuss now, Cause I did the two release parties for for the album, and the first release party 
um, all of my siblings were there. It was back in Chicago, you know, my hometown. And it changed the way I thought about the song because as I'm going through the verse, my brother is jumping up and down, screaming, and I didn't realize what he was saying. Then a friend of mine told me. He was screaming, everything he's saying right now is true. Every single word of this is true. And I don't know whether my brother's heard the song, you know, because we haven't discussed it. He might have just heard me setting up the details and went, that's that moment, which gave it a different definition because, you know, well, it, it not it gave a different definition. It it did what it was supposed to do. You know, it you know, me and my brother and my little sister was too young to remember it. But me and my brother were able to exercise that thought. We're, we're hopefully able to put that conversation to rest now. Yeah, hopefully. What led to your move from Chicago to New York? So, realistically, just change. I was one of those kids that you kind of knew where was going to move one day. You know, it was just I did a bad job of applying to colleges. So with the college in, in my hometown, which is good, like it, it led to everything that I'm involved in now. But around, you know, at one point, when my friends moved to New York at 23, I was going to move in. Started seeing a girl. Started visiting New York every six to eight months from 23 to 29. Doing shows out, doing shows out here, working on music with people. And even still, it was a, it was a split decision between New York and L.A., because I have a lot of family near near and around L.A. And I have a lot of friends in New York. And my lady at the time, she was from PA. And she was more or less like, that's too far from my family. So I was like, all right. I got friends out there that can help me get a job. Let's do that. And I got homies I wanted to work with. I wanted to work with Jeff Markey. I wanted to work with AM Breakups. You know, there, you know, there were other guys, you know, I met Billy Woods. He seemed like a cool dude. You know, Lucy was dope, you know, and this is back when he was um, Super Chocolate Simeon uh, EPs were out and Cold Favor was being worked on. You know, so I met all those guys when all of that was moving and I just had New Age Middle Finger out. So basically, like, it seems like I've been moving to New York for like five years, six years before I did it. No, easiest way of putting it. I just need a change. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't necessarily even that I was like, you know, drawn to the magic, so to speak. That just was an additional reward. I just like, it's, it's time to get out of town. And I could tell when I was around friend, friends and family, I just, I was too tense. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't good to be around. Like, you know, after so many years of running around the entire city, I just couldn't look at it as a place. I looked at it as a place that I loved, but as a place that stressed me out too much for me to be a good a good citizen. If that makes any sense. It does, but New York is kind of a stressful place too. There's it absolutely having, is. Yeah. So does not, not having the family there uh, make it easier? Uh it's funny. It makes it harder and it makes it easier simultaneously. Because um, even before I moved out, you know, you know, you got your own place. You go back to visit your family. Just the simple, simple truth of not being in your, 
your family's house. You come back, things have changed. There's certain conversations that you weren't there for. And that was before I moved. And in that respect, like, you know, not being around my family, being so close to, so closely, um, having my family closely available, it keeps me from the daily stresses of going, okay, I heard my father coughing. This is the issue. Or, okay, this, this, and this happened, so on and so forth. So because I didn't have to worry about that daily, it made it easier for me to handle when I was struggling. Because I also didn't have somebody in my life visibly watching me stress, especially after me and my ex broke up. So when everything was going to shit and I was eating grits for dinner and shit like that, I could just lie on the phone about how well I'm doing. Because I had jobs, but I was paying back debt. My family didn't have to see that look on my face. Didn't have to see that, you know, I'm clean, I'm proper, I'm all put together, but you know, you know, life ain't going where it should. Flip side, I don't, you know, I don't have my family around, so I don't have that that support or that uh inherent understanding of me and my me and just my behavior and such. So it's been a mixed bag. It's been a mixed bag. I try to get back every six to eight months, you know. Uh, pandemic notwithstanding, you know. So that yeah, that's the easiest way of describing it. On the song "Western Automatic Music Part One," you yeah. said, "I don't understand life. If I did, I probably couldn't stand life." Explain what you mean by that line. Biking 
on the way home one night, and I I work at Astoria, Queens, and I live in Bushwick, Brooklyn. A lot of what I write, I end up writing in my head uh, while biking. Not a, a good amount. Well, let's say 30% of what I write, I write doing that, and I'll text to myself. I use about 5 to 10% of that. But there was like a whole lot of stuff in terms of like money, women, music, um, particularly women in this one in this couple situations. And I just had a moment where I think I was just biking, sweating, going, I don't understand life. If I did, I probably couldn't stand this shit. Like, if it all made sense to me, then I'd probably jump ship. Because, you know, it's, it's kind of a... You know, it's kind of, you know, like some things, some things uh, work best when you don't have a map for them. You know, that's the easiest way of putting it because, um, um, you know, because when I think about like all the crazy shit that I've dealt with out here. And all of the random people that I've met that all somehow know each other or how this has become this weird network and web of people and personnel throughout my time here. It doesn't make sense when you say it out loud. It doesn't make sense when you're in the room with it. And at one point, you have to you have to you have to submit yourself to the truth that like you have to submit yourself to the truth that like. Some of this shit's a mystery, and if you see behind the curtain, if you see behind the curtain, you, you know, it, you might not be able to come back from that. Yeah, and um, and also like the second line that the next line uh, uh pairs well with it. That's that was the like kind of the punchline. Like, I don't understand life. If I did, I probably couldn't stand life. With the beautiful parts not interlocking, yes, Buddhist quotes on standby. Where I've read it to a lot of people where they can find a Buddhist quote or a Confucius quote that seems to be a salve for every situation. It's not, it's kind of a distraction in certain respects. Sometimes it, it can give you peace or sometimes it can confuse you. But it's just, you know, when you put those together, that's kind of where, where my headspace was. Okay. On Western Automatic Music 2, you say I spent my. My childhood, yes. watching two people figure it out, and as I speak, they're still figuring it out. Yes, which explains my patience and my mania. How exactly yeah. did your parents' relationship shape the person that you became? If strangers can't confirm with me that life stinks We'll all smell that same shit and ride the lightning Oh, what does life think? Try to clean it up with bottles under my sink Your artist portion has too many ice drinks Clearing something up every time that I blink Whoa, what do I think? Took far too long for you to find a nice drink Strangers can't confirm with me that life stinks. We'll all smell that same shit and ride the lightning. 
Inabilities and feedback loops Smell crack twice on the way home recently An awful familiar Secretly I need that truth Lost a friend to heroin ten years back City's full of women blind He was incidentally raised by demons Until he adopted his own Or saw him or her snorted in a staircase The West Side profited And we took pictures But God, we took pictures Of forgotten accomplishments A record spent faintly in the distance A child dresses herself for church To go alone to church Sometimes innocence hurts In such a way that summons the dance to share words I was raised to appraise love Is perfect for working on it that's four to a bed for 18 months That's two jobs and side hustles That's an occasional one Answer with tired eyes I spent my childhood watching two people figure it out And as I speak, they're still figuring it out Which explains my patience and mania I've lost and found myself in the eyes of women with beautiful minds As one does We pray to the same violent hour My visage of stability frays at the edges But that's my war Inundated with pragmatic architecture, she fell to the ground, pulling the surroundings. Collapsing around her like a million Polaroids. No screams from the buildings. A woman accept the hush to wait what happens next. You're no longer there to oppose the joy. As all sound dies, you become a set of arms. Reliable emotional responses set apart for the cause by X factor of passion. Take it how you will. The proper word sequence was rationed and you pull her up. Reconstructed a scene. You dust both of you off. You make a joke and you walk her home. You always walk her home. She gets there safe and you walk alone. Most blues songs aren't about struggle, nigga. This is the anxiety of yesterday now. And the tax your heart pays for it. Varied by sample drums. Your anthem shows up when you're ready because you were made for it. And that's Western automatic music. That's forward to a band led to reviews in French. I could quote a black author who I could just write. He wrote Bartends. Said he's lofty, he stands over his dinner, then back to work. His elders did demolition. Hey, spam, drink coffee, then back to work. Comfort trend softly, it's trends to trend victory. So back to work, you gotta do what you gotta do. Says the photo album's phantoms, he's back to work. Buys the most meaningful gifts. Charming, he's sorry, he's back to work. The dreams don't build themselves. Who needs the army? Back to work. She walks out of his life, he straightens up. Back to work. He's only good at fucking, fucking up and making art about it. He's back at work. I put it like this. There are certain things that I mentioned in the song that I won't necessarily go too crazy into. But there was a reason why I moved to California at one point as a kid. There's a reason that I moved back. And with all that said, I was there, you know, at least partially for the rough years, some of the rough years of my parents' relationship, I'd imagine. You know, I was a child, so who knows? But I remember my mom telling me, you know, some years are better than others. And also talking about life and parenting, like this doesn't come with um come with a manual. And, you know, I you know, I watched, you know, spent years watching my parents scream at each other and just thinking this is the worst thing ever, you know, also while living in the war zone, then watching you know, that subside and watching other things happen. And now, you know, a couple of years ago, my mom got a, an artificial knee. And that same person she was screaming at, same people screaming at each other, my father would wake her up, take her to the hallway of the building we used to live in and walk with her um, throughout the night to help her get used to her knee. 
And, you know, and that right there, when, when, when I think she told me, because my father's the type of person, he'll do good things and won't mention it. So the only way you're going to find out is if somebody says it. But he won't be the person that says it. And in which case, you know, seeing, seeing their relationship change and grow, you know, and the occasional you'll be sleeping in the car with your siblings and accidentally wake up and hear the conversation. It, um, you know, it, it, it showed me how much patience it takes to be in a long relationship. But it also showed me um, how much patience you have to have when you're dealing with exceptional women. And in which case, my mom is an exceptional woman. You know, beautiful, smart woman, has had some, grew up in some really odd, extraordinary circumstances and has come through it, you know, to be who she is. And those are the women I tend to be attracted to, which kind of leads to the rest of the song. You know, where I'm talking about, you know, what it's like dealing with women with baggage. Not baggage, that's the wrong word. Um, people with history and knowing that if somebody has history, you're just a part of it, you know, in certain respects. You know, even if y'all there together, you always, you just become a part of the history. That's, that's life, I guess. You're, you're, you're a page in somebody's book in some way. Yeah. And it's not that, it's not that you, um, are just a footnote or anything. It's just, it's just, you know, when, you know, when, you, when you've dealt with certain things, when you were given certain examples in your life of how you should operate, how you have to handle certain things, it makes it easier to deal with difficult people. Well, it either makes it easier or makes you cut them off at the beginning. You know, you'll go, you know what? I've dealt with this before. I don't need this. I want to keep life streamlined. Uh, me, on the other hand, I, I have a little, a little more patience, a little more, a little more levity. When it comes to that. Okay. So what do you want people to take away from you left nothing for the swim bag? Yeah. Uh, oh, man, there's, there's so much there, you know. I know, like, this is my third solo album, so to speak. And in certain respects, I kind of look at them like books. So with that, it's kind of kind of hard to nail down to just one thing. Because realistically, that this is where I am in 2023. This is Willie McIntyre Jr. 2023. That's the easiest way for me to look at it. You know, no, everything's been an evolution. One thing that I'm surprised and scared about is the consistency of ideas from my first project through the Tomorrow King stuff, mixtapes to now. Because it's kind of scary thinking that, like, I've kind of had the same idea about things, which is which is trippy we think about like 10, 12, 13, 14 years. And in which case, you know, I just want people to understand this is what the world looked like to me for the last six years. Because this is like, this is, this is my first solo project in six, seven years. You know, everything else could be open to, everything else will be open to interpretation because there's only so much you can explain. Even if you give people the lyrics. So this is just, this is me right now. This is where I'm putting it. This is me right now. All right. 
Sketch 185. Thank you for joining the RealHipHop.com podcast. Uh, thank you, man. Um, shoot, I, I follow everything you do, man. I, I appreciate you asking me to be on. Seriously, thank, thank you for all the support over. Thank you for all the support over the years. Ah, man, of course, of course. You're welcome. And there's and there's plenty of stuff coming up too. Okay. Oh yeah. Keep we, a lookout. Oh, uh, most definitely. We're finishing up the Tomorrow Kings record now. Ah, okay. Hmm. So when can fans expect to hear that? Uh, what I could tell, unless we have a crazy situation come up sometime, sometime this year, it should be out before the end of the calendar year. And as of right now, the title was Salt. So yeah, <laughs> yes. Okay, why salt? As um, high blood pressure. I remember um, being in um. Getting getting a random checkup. My older sister's like, you're in town. I'm going to get you a checkup. And I'm like, don't do this. I'm going to sleep late. I'm going coming home drunk. I get home at 4. You wake me up at 7 to go um, get a, you know, get a checkup. My blood pressure is incredibly high. Uh, luckily for me at that time, I work out a lot. So all the things they thought was supposed to be a problem wasn't and I'm talking to this one doctor and we're talking about the stresses of life so on and so forth he used to live in New York and the one thing he said which offended me then but I understand now he's like reduce your salt that's just one of his statements and I thought about it like out of all the things that I said well fuck with me salt is the one thing that I, I should I should lessen. You know, now that now, now that it's been some years, I get what he's saying. Literally, uh, reducing the amount of salt you have in your diet changes everything. Absolutely changes everything. And, you know, talk to the crew about it. It was just like, it's crazy. We're all dealing with this. Cats and the crew are husbands, fathers, teachers, business owners. We're scattered throughout the country. I come back to my hometown Kids are figuring out new ways to murder each other. I'm out, you know, like everybody's moving around and handling all their stress. But the one thing that we're supposed to watch out for is salt. And we and we kind of laughed at it. I figured that was probably, you know, you know, that'll be the title. All right. Yeah. Salt. Mm-hmm. All right, bro. Thank you once again, man. Most definitely. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right, peace. Peace. The real hip hop MCing and DJing from your own mind, you know. You know. I just right now we should start the show.